Welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Peaked Too Early Podcast, also known as the shitty audio quality from Blake because he forgot the dongle that uh, translates USB-B to USB-C. Um, but also this is Season 3, Episode 11, the return to decent quality because even though I don't have my mic, that mic is broken, so uh, it's mm. better than using the mic. Um so, talking about hoping that they're doing better. Oscar, how are you feeling? How's the foot? Foot's so-so. A bit swollen today. Return to work, so it's getting a bit more used than it probably should be. Um, it doesn't hurt. You know, I, I don't know. I have a checkup on Friday. I feel like it's been too long now for surgery, so I'm hoping that I've avoided that. If It would feel kind of weird for them to go back and operate at this point. But, I mean, yeah, it doesn't look amazing. Swollen up. Um, such as life um yeah sorry i guess i guess about the uh the mic last time you know what's kind of galling is that our last two episodes have got a, a few more plays than we usually get and uh that quality on that mic was something else last episode so sorry to any well, new listeners um but you know yeah you sound great again now Blake. i would like to think that our terrible takes are a little bit more offensive than bad mic quality. Um, yeah, I hope so too. I do hope so too. Uh, yeah, maybe one of those new listeners is a certain Max Foley Keen who picked up becoming uh, a football supporter uh, after the World Cup. Unfortunately, he chose to support Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, that's a terrible choice, Max. I don't like um, that for you at all. Why? Yeah. I, I don't know. He was going to pick Chelsea, and then we talked him out. That's probably worse, to be fair. Um, yeah, uh, speaking about things that are, you know, pretty abject, uh, we should start off this podcast talking about the continual poor form of your beloved West Ham. Oh. Uh, come on, yeah. you lions. Down I thought you were going to say um, Pele dying, oh, which I suppose we should mention seeing as we're a football podcast but um yeah um west ham wow uh you know when i was driving home today or when i was being driven home today keeping an eye on the game i didn't even realize this morning that we were playing leeds which was as uh, a podcast i was listening to dubbed a relegation six pointer um we failed to win again we drew 2-2 um haven't watched the highlights yet have not had the chance it has been abject. I, I'm pretty sure if we were the type of podcast to go back into the archives, I could be heard saying, oh, there's no way we'll be in a relegation fight this season. Even if we do poorly, you know, it will be sort of 14th or something. Um, we are firmly in a relegation battle. Level on points with Everton, who are absolutely dreadful. Um, three points behind one of the worst Southampton teams I've ever seen. Um... It's really bad, Blake. Uh, it's it's really really bad. I I think that Moyes needs to go. I was discussing with my dad. Um, what did we watch together? A Boxing Day fixture? No, that can't be right. What whatever we watched together, um, when we uh, yeah when we lost two 0 to Brentford on Friday, December thirtieth, um, we were discussing at length whether we think Moyes should be sacked now or whether we should keep hold of him. And we both concluded that we think it was it was time 
you know, to, to have a clean slate that clearly something had gone wrong with Moyes, that yes, he probably deserves uh, the time to see it through because of the stuff that he's done in this second stint of the club, but that it's got to a point where, uh, you know, the, the ramifications of bad form are serious, like really serious. And um, we were reflecting with somewhat, somewhat horrified certainty that um, a relegation would be probably the end of the club as we know it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not good in, uh, in East London. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, like why exactly things have gone so poorly? Because, you know, it's not really an injury, you know, catastrophe. It's not locker room blowing up. It's at least not publicly. Um, is it just West Ham being found out? I think they're due... Honestly, I think they're due to West, to Moise's decisions. I think, look, most of the problems that, that West Ham have faced have been Moise's doing. Um, he's persisted with out-of-form out players like Socek. He's repeated like-for-like -like substitutions with Antonio for Scamacca and vice versa and rarely tried to play them together or you know, see if that's some sort of like consistency can spark that kind of form. The defensive approach to games, his tendency to make incredibly late substitutions and not use the full force of his squad. Um, to be fair, we've had a few high-profile injuries. Zuma is out. You know, Aguad has been out and, and barely, barely played for us. But at the same time, you know, what we were talking about as a poor start now is just just a just a really poor season. I mean, we spent £160 million in the summer. Um, Moyes, I think in the last couple of seasons, it, by some metric, I think has spent the third most, you know, in Europe, if you, if you take into account, like, profit margins and that kind of stuff. It's a really serious situation. Um, and I'm, for, I, for one, am really surprised that Moyes is still in the job right now. Um, I suppose we should mention today, David Gold, one of our co-owners, died. So I'm not sure how that will, what will happen with the club potentially being up for sale now, the future of the club, or what's going on in the boardroom. Because I know, uh, you know, it was a short illness and he was still active, incredibly active in the running of the club, for better or for worse, probably the latter. Um, yeah, I would. I would honestly lay it on Moyes. I'm. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I don't think that the players uh, should be playing like this, and I, I. 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 am loath to blame it on them. Really, I don't see anything that tells me that they're underperforming, um, because they're, because of their attitude or because they're not good enough. Well, what do you think? Are you Moyes in or Moyes out, Blake, as an honorary West Ham fan? <laughs> I am, of course, Moyes out. Um, yeah. You know. I have but that, to is that okay? So is that my dad and I and you by association being unfair, or is that the should that be the objective like stance at this point that he should go? Well, so I would say you know the last two seasons, the seasons of you know incredible heights for West Ham, the seasons where we started this podcast where yeah. we only talked about West Ham being yeah, phenomenal. Wow. It's crazy. Uh, before that, you know, Moyes was a on the descent of his career manager. Yeah, uh, for sure. And this 
you know, two-year little revival certainly was an anomaly in what his career over the last, what, seven years has been. Um, and in a way, it's sort of inevitable that this was going to happen. Like, you know, football doesn't lie. These things aren't, you know, football's predictable. It's cyclical. You know, the Leicester mm-hmm. cities, you know, they can pull off the 3,000 to 1 odds and then, you know, within five years, you know, be struggling extremely financially and, you know, all of a sudden their future is back into turmoil. Uh, so, you know, West Ham have these two wonderful seasons and then with, you know, the tug of a single thread, all of a sudden it starts falling apart. Uh, is it... Moyes, certainly a large part of it is. I agree with you. The substitutions that he does is pretty baffling. And especially the just the picking of squads can be very strange. Um, the, yeah, seems very uh, like the opposite problem of Steve Bruce. Or Steve Bruce, you know, could not keep the same lineup two matches in a row to save his life. Moyes is like the exact opposite. Um, also, uh, the squad composition of West Ham is a little bit strange. Um, yeah, you have like seven attacking midfielders in your squad. Um, I always thought that was a little bit strange. And, and like, you know, you bought all those players before you bought Skamaka, so you're just like relying on Michael Antonio, like single striker that you bought in 2015, uh, and meanwhile buying seven attacking midfielders. Just felt very strange. Um, mm. You know, I'm personally pretty low on West Ham's wingbacks um, and generally oh, same. low investment uh, in the central defense. Uh, well, Aguad. I mean, I suppose it's yeah. not his fault. But Before you know, they purchased him, summer. you know, we were talking about when are they going to buy? How long can you get away with Craig Dawson in the back line? Mm. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's probably a myriad of things. And I'm sure when Moyes does go, we're going to hear, you know, all these different. It was also this and also this and also this. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think holding on to Moyes can only hurt West Ham more. Um, at this mm. point, you kind of just need to hope to sack him, appoint someone who's ambitious and... Uh, can give the squad a bunch of hope. Uh, who that is? I don't know. Pochettino. Zidane. Pochettino's <laughs> surely waiting out for the uh, Tottenham job. Let's pivot, Blake, abruptly, I know. But I'm sad. So can we talk about you and Newcastle and how incredibly everything is going? Yeah, Newcastle uh, currently, I think we're still in third. Uh it's one of those weird, nobody at the top has played the same number of games, so it's kind of like a false third position. You know, Man U can potentially overtake us, uh, which would be horribly disheartening. Uh, mm. But, you know, even then, you know, top four, no one is expecting it this season. Uh, Newcastle have been absolutely incredible. Uh, just, you know, pre-leads, we had like five matches in a row scoring four or more goals. Um, which is just awesome. Um, I think we had won six straight matches, uh, including we have played all 
of the top six in quotation marks away from home this season and we've only lost one game uh we drew arsenal drew man city drew man U, beat tottenham lost to liverpool drew chelsea or sorry beat chelsea all away from home uh and so we have those matches at st james's park in the second half of the season including there's also a bunch of squads we haven't played yet including west ham uh who, you know, if you look at West Ham right now, that's six easy points. Sorry, Oscar. Yeah. Um, so it has been an incredible season. Uh, but there is quite clearly still, you know, one more gap that Newcastle has to uh, get past before we can, like, seriously consider them something. Mm. Um, when squads yeah. just sit back and just completely suck the life out of a game, you know, it Newcastle just don't have the quality, especially like late in games. Like uh, our bench is not strong enough where we can put on players to win a game like that. So you saw stuff like uh, New Year's Day, Leeds United. You know, they straight up played eleven man behind the ball for all ninety yeah. minutes, got a zero zero draw, and Jesse Marsh turns to the crowd and is pumping his arms at ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, zero shots on target all match. Um, yeah, and you know that's something that he's you know overwhelmingly happy with, uh, but that's the type of side Newcastle have turned into, you know, like yeah, I mean it's just incredible. It's a uh, if you go away to Newcastle and get a point, that's an excellent return. Um, so Newcastle, incredible, you know the squad chemistry, everything is uh, you know, unbelievable play in a place that I never expected us to see. Um, the... Yeah. Well, can I... In, can I... In, yeah. Quick question for you. Gladly. Uh, well, okay, I guess it's a two-point... Uh, to what extent do you sort of agree with how not backing down and sort of saying, I want the fans to dream and, and not saying, you know, we're favorites to be in the top four or in the title race, but, you know, kind of alluding to it. And then... What would you say is the the temperature of the of the fans at large, and do, uh, you know, are they thinking that you guys can go all the way to top four? Are are they thinking that you guys are in a title race? Like, what's it like on Tyneside? Well, as someone in the United States, I can speak totally yeah. on the mood Absolutely. on Tyneside. Um, so for how you know, I think it's just like media PR, like. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, we're not going to set our standards too high. It's too early. You know, we're just focused on next week. You know, it's like PR 101. Um, it, you know, but it's nice that he's like, yeah, yeah of course we want fans to yeah. know, dream. Like, you know, that's kind of the point of supporting a football team. Um, to dream is to believe and whatnot. So mm. um, the uh fan expectations like as always you know i'm limited to what i see in uh online you know i only know two newcastle supporters in real life um and uh i do not talk to them very frequently yeah um so online i'd say there's like three factions uh the doom and gloomers the people who are still you know, mentally in the 
Mike Ashley era of where nothing good can happen to Newcastle. Um, and it took me a while to get out of that. It always felt like even for parts of this season, I was like, well, you know, this is good, but obviously it's not going to last because I've never known sustained Newcastle success in my life. Mm. Um, the other third are absolutely delusional. Like, oh, one, one or zero, zero draw with Arsenal, a sack Eddie Howe, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those people, gee, you just might as well not entertain it because how do you argue with someone like that? Uh, and then the other third are, you know, people who are like, oh, I don't really care what happens. It's just so nice to watch Newcastle be good. Um, certainly a large group think that Newcastle can win the league. I'm one of those. I think Newcastle can win the league. I just don't think they will. Um but sure, you know, Newcastle have played well enough. You know, even the game that they lost, which was against Liverpool, they should have drawn drawn 2-2. Oh, um, yeah, true. So, That's a good one. I like that. Uh, yeah, you know, sure, we can win it. We're not going to, but we can. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I'm not jealous of you at all. That's all I can uh, say. I now know what it feels like to be you last year or the year before. Well, no, but I mean, it's even better for you because you're like, for us, there was always like a, we were very good, but, you know, a question mark, but because of the financial backing you have, because of the, the momentum of the takeover and, and also how good your defense is. Yeah. Well, quite something. Uh, clearly the best defense in the league. I think that's probably the most impressive part of the season is, you know, the Eddie Howe. What a back Eddie Howe can't organize a defense. Um, Do you think... Sorry to interrupt, but do you think that Dan Byrne expected to be a starter for you? Because I know he was desperate to join Newcastle, right? Do you think he he was sort of understanding that he would be a backup and, and now he sort of finds himself as part of the best defense in, in the league? I think, well, one, he absolutely pocketed Bukayo Saka. Um, so uh, he certainly is quite the defender. Um, but I must say he's one of our higher earners, I believe. I think he uh I think he's around like sixth or seventh in terms of highest earnings. One of that is, you know, because the takeover is quite fresh, so we haven't had the money to pay a lot of these players. But uh, you know, he is quite a high earner, so I do wonder if maybe he was expecting it. Also, he came in quite literally to replace Jamal LaSalle's. Um I think he was probably expecting to be the starter for the second half of last season. I think a surprise for him would be his continued undroppability into 2022, 2023. Mm. Um, but yeah, the man is amazing. And he's playing left back, uh, which is... I know, that's insane. I'll say it's like a false left back position. Essentially, Trippier plays right mid... And then the defense kind of slides into a back three. Who, um, who's the, who's doing his attacking then? For for uh, like on the left side. Who's so it's the there? left cent, the left sided, uh, central midfield and the left winger. So that's usually Joe Willock and Joe Linton, who, pretty much because they're both workhorses, they're essentially switching off playing left wing back. Um, mm. 
And so it's, if you look at like the average position, it kind of looks like a 4-3-3 that you rotated around. Um, so that the right back is way farther forward and the left wing is way farther back. Um, yeah, but I mean, it certainly works. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Come on the mags. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for Newcastle. Newcastle are honestly a little boring to talk about just because, you know, it's kind I of... I don't find it boring. I it's just, just think it's... Uh, it feels a little repetitive, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's a bit daunting in a way, I think, for the rest of the league. Um, but yeah, I, I get that. Um, let's... You know what, speaking of, it's a, it's a light transition, but speaking of Newcastle, you did just draw nil-nil to Arsenal the other day. Um, should we sort of talk about them? Because they're up there with you at the top of the league. And, and uh, despite dropping points to you, they're still in a commanding position, especially because City dropped points to Everton somehow a few days ago. Again, confirming my point that I think I made at the beginning of the year, that City are a side that seem to drop points fairly randomly when um, everyone else thinks they're... Invincible, especially with the likes of Holland up top. Um, Arsenal, what 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 do you think of their prospects? At what point can we start saying well, it's theirs to lose? Um, they seem to be coping with the loss of Gabriel Jesus pretty well. Yes, well, not against Newcastle, but well, yeah, um, sure, they were very invisible um, in pretty much all throughout attack, but um. Let's actually start the transition into Arsenal with the Newcastle Arsenal match because I think it, uh, you know, is a pretty good barometer for the two sides and why both of them aren't quite as, you know, uh, strong as their points record may seem. Um, it's pretty much turned, it was pretty much the first half, the first maybe 15 minutes, Arsenal came out guns blazing. Newcastle rode the tide, and then both sides just set up 100% defensively. And it was a super nervy game of taking turns putting nine men behind the ball. Um, Arsenal were, just like Newcastle, in the end, in the final third, very toothless against Newcastle. Newcastle were not really pressured. Arsenal were not really pressured. Um to me, it was a pretty shit match, but people seemed to enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. Um, but I think the league is already Arsenal's to lose. I think past the halfway point, uh, or I guess right on the halfway point for Arsenal, uh, you have an eight-point lead at the top of the table, five if Man City wins their game in hand. Um, that is, you know, quite the surmountable lead. Um, I really, yeah. right, like this is, you know, the Man City leads of the past, you know, like usually if you're this far ahead, January 1st, you're going to win the league. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, probably like 60% chance Arsenal wins the league. Yeah. No, um, I agree with that. I will say if they don't win it, it's because of Arteta. I still don't rate him. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy he was very one thing, I, one thing I will say about Arteta is that I reckon that he's getting way too emotional on the touch side I on the touch line and I think that he needs to rein that in because it's 
At points, you know, it's getting like Kevin Keegan levels of like overly emotional. Um, so yeah, I think that was interesting. He is also getting really annoying. And then I was reflecting that like, okay, all the top managers are really annoying. Like Guardiola is so annoying. Klopp is just a complete nightmare. Conte is the worst. Like, so, you know, it seems to be like these elite managers aren't, you know, they just piss everyone off. Um, they're just overly emotional and, and etc. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've been rating Arteta for years and I'll continue to do so, especially seeing his Arsenal at the top of the league, but I guess to each their own. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, you know, Arsenal's ability to win matches is, uh, you know, like that's the difference between Newcastle and Arsenal right now is Newcastle really struggle converting a draw into a win and Arsenal yeah. pop up with late winners all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, that is Arsenal. I also don't have too much to say about Arsenal. We're kind of in the same position that we were a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, that's Arsenal very true. Arsenal, Newcastle, um, and then the rest. Um, do you want to talk about some uh, some high flyers? Some yes, please, boys, boys. The the sides keeping Chelsea out of the top half of the table. Um, um, yeah, I think you wanted to take Brighton or Brentford. Yes, please. Let's go Brighton because um, I I think we've been talking about since the Zerbi took over the club, we were. I wouldn't say skeptical, but I think lots of people were sort of like, oh my God, this is like a super exciting signing. And we were pointing out that, you know, it's possible that Brighton will never have it as good as they had it under Potter ever again. Um, and, you know, certainly I think that they played the much more chaotic football under uh, De Zerbi, But I mean, it's fun. And when they tear teams apart like they did against Everton the other day, um, it is, you know, it's pretty formidable. Um, one thing, I don't know, I just wanted to talk about Brighton, not necessarily because, you know, it's anything new that they punch above their weight and that they're doing really well in the league. And currently they're sort of bassing it out for the Europa Conference League places. But really, I want to talk about these new players that have come through. This Ferguson guy who's there, um, Sarmiento. Uh, I think I sent you a text um, the other day where I was like, I'm watching Brighton right now, and they've just put on these nobodies, like these people I've never heard of, who are just tearing apart the opposition. Um, and, you know, Brighton have been crying out for a, for a, for a striker for a long time. And um, it really looks to me like Evan Ferguson could be someone that they can nurture into, into a real goal machine. And I think that... It's true that um, Aaron Connolly, who is the sort of the last young Irish striker to take Brighton by storm, has his career is just completely blown up in his face. Um, but Evan Ferguson just seems like a old school big bull of a player who just seems to physically be capable. Um, so pretty exciting for Brighton. Yeah, the Sarmiento, I know he's he's English with Spanish yes, and Ecuadorian uh, roots, and then Evan Ferguson is a, uh an Irish lad. Um, is he... I'm trying to think why I 
know Evan Ferguson. I know why I know Sarmiento. Uh, mm. Well, he is the son of Barry Ferguson. Yeah, but not that Barry Ferguson. Chester, Hartlepool, Northampton Town, Longford, Bohemians, Shamrock Rivers. Um, <laughs> wow, his dad is young. No, 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 not, not, not that Barry Ferguson. Right. That's, yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Okay. Another, another one. Yeah. It's just that he was a footballer. His dad. I heard on a podcast, but just I think a local Irish one. No, his dad is the one who played for like Bohemian. His dad had a decent career. Oh, I thought you were talking about um, the Scottish one. No, Ooh. the Irish one. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah. No. He, he looks good. No. I mean, I, I think it, they're they're fun to watch. Still, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, this other guy, poop. What's his name? Poopion or something? He's Australian. Um. He came on assisted. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm not sure who that last one is, but uh. Julio and uh, you know Julio and Ciso also. I the name. Oh yeah, Poopion. Yeah, I mean, they just got they got some interesting players coming through. Yeah, I agree. Lots of players who, yeah, I also have. And um, the goal-scoring prowess all of a sudden of Solly March is interesting. I think he's had a couple now in the past few games. Yeah, I mean, the... I'm pretty sure he was one of those players that had even, like, never scored in his career or something like that, you know, barely scored ever. Um, um, before, yes, his goal against Everton. So cold. Uh, yeah, great goal. Awesome to watch. Leandro um, Trossard being dropped was was something interesting, especially seeing he was so incredible um, before the break. He has seven goals and sixteen appearances. Um, it, it, you know, there's there's a lot of rumors going around that he he is wanted by a bunch of clubs. Yeah, I was gonna, isn't that like you know he's being linked to Man U and you know all these sides. You know, I'm yeah. sure he's itching. Twenty twenty eight now. You know. I think that'd be a pretty interesting signing. I, I'm not sure if I was a really elite club, I'd go in for him. And if I was Leandro Trossard, I'd just stick with Brighton. I suppose maybe they're not paying him too much money. Yeah, but I mean, we always see this, you know, January comes around and, you know, players, you know, like players want to play at the top thing and you know, at the top level. And, you know, he's 28. He's probably seeing, you know, I can stick with Brighton and maybe in two or three years, they can really develop something really special. Or I can get my payday now and, you know, pop ship while I can. You know, you had to bet on yourself sometimes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Brighton are uh, pretty much always a thorn in Newcastle's side, uh, which makes me hate them. And I'm probably one of the few people on earth who doesn't like Brighton. Um, but solely out of spite. Uh, sure. And no real reason to hate them. Um, what do you think Brighton's going to do this year? Like, are they going to pip Brighton? Fulham? Are Fulham good enough to stay? They should high? pip Fulham. They should. I agree. Um, because I think they have a better overall squad. But Fulham is another team that I just like. I absolutely love them this season. I, I just think it's great. And, and, you know, it's me and Fulham. I've said some terrible things about Fulham. But they just they put together an amazing side. Um, and it's just awesome to see them up in seventh. Yeah, I think Brighton should pip Fulham. Um, I think they're better. Fulham, sh- you know, I think they'll sort of go down into 10th to 13th territory. Um, and, 
yeah, I think Brighton at this point should be fighting for that Euro Conference League place. Um, why not? Why okay. Not? Well, soft pivot. Um, mm. Just talking about including Brentford in this location or in this uh, conversation. Uh, yes. Which of these sides, Fulham, Brighton, or Brentford, will finish this season above Chelsea? Oh. Ooh, if if Chelsea stick with Graham Potter, none of them. Ooh, yeah, it's a little bit of a hot, a little bit of a hot take for you there. Maybe, possibly. Uh, sure. Hot take, just a spicy, a spicy little prediction. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would say so. I think that uh, you know, I don't see how Chelsea can possibly continue to be so bad. Um, just because. You know their manager is objectively great, and they have great players. So um, I don't think any of them will. I think Chelsea will be in sort of seventh, and the rest will be eighth, ninth. Okay, very fair. We'll come back and talk about Chelsea um, at the end of the show. Um, but I think there's just one more side to focus on this episode, uh, and that is. Everton and the strangeness that surrounds them. Yes. The sometimes hard to beat, the sometimes uh, wacky, inflatable arm man of a defense. Um, after their very, very credible 1 1 draw away at Man City, uh, they get turned over by Brighton um, in a very pathetic performance. Full of one, you know, Brighton beat them fair and square, but also Everton, what are they doing? What is Jordan Pickford doing? What is Idrissa Ganage doing? Uh, mm. You know, like, these players that are supposed to be some of Everton's best, who are they? What are they doing? Um, and now Everton are back in the relegation zone, um, saving West Ham a little bit. A little bit, yeah, for sure. Is relegation back on the cards for Everton? Oh, absolutely. They're in a relegation fight. Um, you know, I think it's similar to West Ham where you look at the team and you're like, oh, you know, it's a decent team. Um, but I, again, I'd look at the manager. Uh, Frank Lampard isn't good enough, I don't think. Um, so I think maybe if he wanted to go play his trade in the, in the championship, that would feel fair enough. Um, I think he does some things well and others not well enough at all. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I, I'm worried about Everton. If I was an Everton fan, I'd definitely be worried. Um, you know, the boos that you heard uh, at full time after the Brighton match were quite something. Um, Everton fans not afraid of letting their voices be heard. And there was calls to sack the board and calls to sack Lampard and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, they've that this new stadium is being built and... I mean, just imagine the disaster if they get relegated and they have this new stadium and how they're going to pay for it. And it's just not good. And it seems like, you know, it's the same old thing every year. They poured so much money into this club uh, and invested terribly and uh, a bit of a mess, really. And a far cry from the jubilant scenes of last season when they, when they were confirmed safe with a few matches to go. Yeah. Um, I am, you know, say it's a pretty similar situation as West Ham you know the sooner you sack the manager the sooner you can hope you just get lucky with the new appointment and right yeah you know, things start 
going your way. Um, yeah. Um, Oscar, to wrap up this episode, unless you have any other teams you'd like to focus on. I don't. No, I don't. You want to the talk games are coming thick and fast, so. You want to talk about some transfers? Please. Uh, I suppose we should start with the ones that have already happened. Um, starting with Cody Gakpo to Liverpool. I have my opinions. Would you like to share yours first? Um, Cody Gakpo to Liverpool. I think he's a good player. He's coming out of the Eredivisie. So, you know, sort of you never know for certain. Um, but when you're walking into a team as uh, high-functioning as Liverpool, especially their attack, I'm, I'm sure it's fine. I suppose it's one of those things where Liverpool can't really pass up the opportunity to, to sell it, to, to buy a young talent like him. Um, he, he could start, you know, pretty quickly, especially because Diaz is injured long-term. And Nunez um, nicht so good. Right. And I think it's, it's maybe cover for... Although, I mean, I don't even know because I think Klopp came out and said they really want to keep Roberto Firmino. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of weird. Yeah, you know, I think he's a decent player. Um, yeah, I don't think he's a hundred and something million pound player yet. They didn't sign him for that much money. Yeah, he's young and okay, I get it. It's like eighty million plus. No, no, it's fifty. It's like fifty. It's not. It's not oh wait, well then it's like fifty million plus fifty million or something. Ew, really? That's terrible. Yeah. Because everyone was like, oh yeah, you know, it's a. You know, it's a lot of money, but if he fails, it's just fifty million, and if it works out, then he's more than worth it. Um, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I see what that. Yeah, I would just say, you know, once again, Klopp is such a baby about these things. Oh Um, yeah. Pissing and moaning in the media about how Liverpool can't compete with the Man Cities, the Newcastles, the Man U's, and then goes out and splashes a hundred million in back-to-back windows. such a baby like i'm so sick of clop yeah Um, it's kind of getting that way isn't it yes however that is not the only big money signing it's pretty much the only signing that's actually happened so far uh but not the only big signing rumored uh chelsea having been rejected uh like 115 million for enzo fernandez uh is that worth it uh, absolutely fucking not. No, that's insane. Yeah, that's I think it's like the standard of like the state of the market. Uh, that just, I mean, I'm almost like, I'm just sad. Like, I, I feel like it's going to ruin him. And why, why do that to a player of such exciting talent? Yeah, just buy Declan Rice and ruin him instead. Um, they also, Jude Bellingham the Premier League to somebody. Uh, yeah. Very exciting. Um, I don't know. Maybe not, though. I mean, if I was Drew Bellingham, I'd just wait until the summer. Because Liverpool, it looks pretty... more than likely to me that they might not get top four. And I think Liverpool is... It makes the most sense for him to go into that midfield and sort of bolster them. Um, I suppose maybe if Liverpool can sort of be like, we'll give you the keys to this mid to this team, you know? And, and and maybe he'd relish a, an opportunity like that, but you know, I'm not so sure. Um, there's also West Ham being linked to uh, Danny Ings, 
which I thought, you know, was very interesting, but kind of not where West Ham need help right now. Um, unless Moist pivots to a two-man attack force. Um, but would you take Danny Ings? At, at West Ham, sorry? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, it's also the Daily Mail, so I oh, doubt that it's... Uh... I would not take Danny Ings. We have a Danny Ings in Mikel Antonio. That's a complete lie, because Danny Ings is a great finisher. But we had a striker who kind of is injured all the time and causes defenses troubles. Um, I, I, yeah, no, I wouldn't take him. Great, great player though. I mean, he scored six and seventeen. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, Arsenal trying to strengthen with uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, the Ukrainian from Shakhtar. Oh yeah, people are head over heels for this guy. They love him. I feel like he's, you know, every year there's some winger who tears apart other teams in the Champions League and then yeah. gets their big money move to the Premier League. Yeah, so. yeah, interesting. 22, um, you know, I people are really just really big on him. Yeah, um, super physical. He's like yeah, this. Super physical, yeah. just incredibly fast. Um, so, you know, if I was Arsenal, I'd be like, why not? I mean, it's an upgrade on Reese Nelson. However much, you know. I want Reese Nelson to do all right. Yeah. Do you have any uh, rumors that you're like itching to? Uh, not really. It's been kind of quiet so far. Maybe product of the World Well, no, I say product of the World Cup, but usually that means that there's more stuff happening. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing on the West Ham front. I mean, we have no money anyway, so it's fine. Uh, but Premier League wise, I know I I haven't really seen seen anything of that piques my interest. Yeah, it feels very uh, quiet. There's this guy Kevin uh, Kevin Sharder who looks like he's going to Brentford. Uh, Is he for quite yeah. a lot of money? He's a German. Yeah, I was going to Freiburg. I remember um, big contract. So, but I mean, that's sort of like I don't know much about him. So, yeah, who uh, which side in the Premier League do you think absolutely needs a signing to revitalize their season? Wolves. Um, Mateus Nunez. Probably Wolves. Mateus Nunez. Um, I thought we already played for them. No. The like 22-year-old Porto midfielder? Yeah, no. Mateus Nunez already plays for Wolves. Really? Yeah. He moved there in the summer. Okay, am I thinking of another Nunes? Horrible, horrible move for him. Like, dreadful move. Why would you ever do that? Who's the one who but currently... Apparently Liverpool are trying to get him, so... Oh, okay, so maybe that's... Maybe I just... Liverpool are trying to assume yeah. from Wolves. No, it's, like, like, pretty serious. Like, Liverpool are trying to get, like, a 40 million deal done for him. I mean, Liverpool desperately need a, a new midfielder, so... Um, but, yeah, I guess I suppose Wolves... Um, uh, Southampton, but they have no money, so and then they're definitely going down. Uh, yeah, yeah, eh, I don't know. Bournemouth. I will go Spurs, central defender. Yeah, true. I just true. They need someone to pair with uh, who's that guy? Romero, the Argentinian. Uh, they need someone to replace Romero. Uh, what he's that? But what are you talking about? He's their best p- defender. He's their best defender. He's still not very good. Take. 
That's not true. That I'm sorry. No, he's good. He's I so good. Do not rate him. That's uh, it's one of your takes. That's just, just random to me. Uh, Very random. If Newcastle actually have hopes, they do need to strengthen their bench. You know how many times? Yeah, that's true. You do need to. You you need to. Yeah. Yeah. They you can't literally just be bringing on Murphy all the time. Right. Yeah. Our first choice sub is Jacob Murphy, and then there's been several times where we've played Matt Ritchie, uh, which uh, you know, I love Matt Ritchie. He's you know Newcastle's Mark Noble, but uh, you know. He's not Premier League quality anymore. Um, yeah, in the relegation zone, who can spend money that will? It's got to be Wolves, right? And Forest. Oh yeah, should, um, should be. Forest probably will. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Forest linked to a couple of players on loan, um, including some Newcastle players. Um. Yeah. Anything else? Any final hot takes you want to get on the airwaves before we uh, sign off? No, I'm good. I'm going to save them. I'm going to save them. Yeah. We, uh, wonder if there, is there any like huge matches coming up so I can give one final hot take to uh, sign off the podcast? Uh, Oh, the Manchester Derby. Yeah, true. Um, United could win that. They're in, they're in the form right now. Yeah. You know what? My hot take for the pod Manchester United win. 3-0 3-0 over Manchester City. There you go. Marcus Rashford, hat-trick. Uh, no, I'll go Rashford, Garnacho, and Fred. Uh, in, you know, quite the romping. Mm. Um, yeah. That's my... Nice. That's my take. My final complaint... Um, is Newcastle West Ham because the match got rescheduled have not played each other this year and we will not play each other yes. until February 4th which oh wow i think is an absolute farce from the premier league that they allow two teams not to play each other until after the january transfer window is completely finished yeah um, that is like so unfair yeah strange one yeah. Yep. But uh, that's my final takes. Anything else, Oscar? I'm good. All right. Thank you for listening to uh, episode 11 of season three of the Peaked Too Early podcast. We hope we will get back to you in a somewhat regular uh, time frame. It is the worst yes, time of the year to be recording knows. podcasts. Um, kind of is. There's always football going on. But please. Yes. Comment, email, review, rate, or do anything else you would like to do to us. And uh, take care.